0: Um, today, we're continuing our series on the parables, and this one, we're going to talk about the sower. Um, I've been going through this parable and just reading it throughout the week, and there was something that came to my mind. I was reading it, and this is this question. Is it like, how, how do we know that we're real? Like, how, what's, like, what makes us feel that, you know, this is real? Like, our faith is authentic, and it's authentic in the lives of, the other, of others, and like, as the world sees us, like, what do they see within us? And now we're like into the second decade of our 21st century. And the evangelical church, it faces huge challenges as we're moving forward. There's pluralism that's really big in our culture. There's secularism that's really aggressive. Um, Political polarization is happening. Uh, Skepticism about religion. Obviously the sexual ethics, they are being challenged to the core. And then we have postmodern concepts of truth. And so everything, we feel this threat upon the church. And how do we know that we're, we're being real, that we're being what Christ has called us to be? <clears throat> and so the, maybe the biggest threat, maybe the biggest thing that's challenging is sometimes of our own making, like the image that we present. And so many outside the church, they view Christians as unchristian in their attitudes and in their perspectives and their at, and their actions. We've heard bigoted We've heard homophobic. We've heard uh, hypocr- hypocritical. We've heard materialistic, judgmental, self-serving, overly political. There's this book done like uh, several years ago called UnChristian, and it was an eye-opening, serious, soul-searching about like what what people are saying about Christians today. And so we are facing this in North America. There's this decline that's happening with our young people, and they're, they're moving away from church. And what can we put it? Like, where, how do we place that? Like, wh- what is it saying about who we are? And it's complex to figure out. But the one thing that we can be certain of is this. When Christians are confused about what it means to be real, the spiritual decline of the church will follow. If we're looking for real, real, authentic faith, excuse me. And they want us to be real. And they want us to be authentic. And so in our increasingly post-Christian culture, there's confusion on what, like, what does real mean? What does it look like? And then there's this distrust that's coming along if they don't feel that it's real. And so we've got to clarify ourselves. We have to, like, we are, the world's watching us, and they're looking for this authentic faith. And so when we are confused, when Christians are confused about what it looks like to be real, it, the, 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 the people on the outside there, they're like, what is this? And Jesus, he gives us a real answer to what it means to have faith. In Matthew seven twenty it says, Thus you will recognize them by their fruits, by the fruit that they produce. And he underscores this in this parable that we're going to go through in Matthew 13, in the sower. Straightforward, the parable. is a sower. He's in the field. He's tossing out his seeds, which is the good news of the kingdom. And there's different soils it's landing on. And it's being responded in different ways. And so, before we dive in, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're excited to gather to hear your word. Lord, to what you want to speak to us, what you have to say to us today. Lord, we come with open hearts, trusting that your word will transform our hearts. So this is a great sermon, Lord, a great parable that causes us to look, to look inside, to see the state of our soil. So Lord, we pray that we would be honest with ourselves, we'd be open, and we let these words sink in. In your name we pray, amen. We're going to start Matthew, if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 13, verses 1 to 17 is what we're going to start with. Um, If you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be here up on the screen. And it says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Jesus said, once there was a you ut- Oh, never mind. Let's go back. We can go back to that. The previous, yes, there we go. Um, oftentimes we tell stories, right, to describe something. We tell stories to make our point a little bit deeper, to convey it in a different way. I'm up here and I'll tell you stories of life or of my kids or something that has happened uh, to somebody that I know. And that helps bring the story a bit more real. We see that Jesus, he's having this teaching moment. And the reason we know why it's a teaching moment is this. In the Jewish culture, when someone was to preach, they would be standing. And so the fact that Jesus was sitting in a boat... Shows that he was teaching. If they were teaching, they would be sitting. If they were explaining, they would be sitting. And so this is what's happening with Jesus. He gets into the boat, he sits down, and he begins to tell them a parable. And so he's speaking in a way that will connect with them uh, because of the culture of today. And so if I was, I heard someone like, well, how would this parable look if it was for today? And I saw this way described. If we can go to the next slide. Jesus said... Once, there was a YouTuber who scattered videos across the internet. One day, he uploaded quite a few videos. Some of them were watched for a few minutes, and then people were distracted by other items in their newsfeed, And all his hard work was lost amidst the chaos. So the video blogger decided to specifically target his video to one or two specific social media sites, and they were shared very quickly. However, while they received a lot of views early on, within a few weeks, they were ignored because there were other flashier LOL cat videos out now. And so the vlogger decided to try some of the more difficult places on the internet. Yes, he would put his videos in places where there was much controversy and see how they would do. Unfortunately, the videos did not do much better in these spots because all of the trolls blasted them in the comment section. And so finally, the vlogger decided to specifically target these videos to those who knew would be interested in them. Instead of placing them everywhere, he said to himself, I know these folks are the ones who are really interested, so I'm going to share them with them. A modern-day version of the parable. Obviously, we have a YouTube generation. We like YouTube. But in this time, agriculture was the way. Jesus spoke according to those customs. And so we can imagine getting him in the boat, and it would be like this picture up here, and sitting in the boat, and he would be looking out, out into the fields. And so as he's sitting there and he's about to teach, he's seeing the scene play out in front of him. He's seeing it's springtime, He's probably seeing a farmer out in his field. Maybe he's seeing the, the path to where the farmers walk and how they get to their fields. And so he taught in this way, because just imagine how when you have that multi-sensory learning, right, they're out there in the fields too, and they're seeing, the, they're seeing this farmer out there sowing. They're smelling the springtime. They, they can even touch the ground. So it's a very multifaceted a way of Jesus explains this, this uh, parable to them that will connect with them in a deep way. And so he told this story. And some of them, they might have thought it was a strange story. They're like, why is the farmer, he just wastes two-thirds of his seed. He just tossed it out there. He must be like a lavish, well-off farmer. Like, if he's just throwing it wherever he pleases. He sees the ground, oh, I'm just going to throw it on the path. Oh, there's some thorns here, whatever. I'm just going throw my seeds there. Uh, this ground, there's lots of rocks. You know what? We'll see what happens. And they would have heard the outcome of the good soil, and they would have been shocked. They would have been completely shocked by the outcome of the good soil, not that it grew and it had a yield, but they would have been blown away by how much the yield was. And it says, "Still, other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what it was sown." And then Jesus, he kind of just finishes. There, that parable, and they're left baffled because of this abnormal harvest. This goes beyond just a good harvest. This goes beyond. This is like a harvest they could not fathom. A hundred, thirty, sixty-four. This is crazy. Super abundant harvest, over and above. And this, like in modern times, in this barren desert region of the world, Palestine's like no Nebraska. It's no Saskatchewan. It's not even like Manitoba. Like it was probably. Like, the, what they've seen, probably the best, was like eight, eight yields, eight times the amount. So to produce something that was 30, it's like, oh, that's, that's, kind of, that's, that's a lot. 60, oh, this is like, this is unfathomable. Hundreds, like, this is crazy. What's he talking about? This yield is amazing. And then he finishes it. And then the disciples, they come and they talk to Jesus. And the story continues. Matthew 13, 10 to 17, it says, "'The disciples came to him and asked, "'Why do you speak to the people in parables?' "'He replied, "'Because of the knowledge of the secrets "'of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, "'but not to them. "'Whoever has will be given more, "'and they will have an abundance. "'Whoever does not have, "'even what they have will be taken from them. "'This is why I speak to them in parables. "'Though seeing they do not see, Though hearing they do not hear or understand, in them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this, people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. So, after sharing this, this parable, the disciples, they turn to Jesus, and they almost are like, Oh Jesus, can we have a moment? Like, nervously, like, leaning into Jesus' ears, like, well, like, hey, like, what are, you, what are you doing? It's like if somebody came up here to me and be like, yeah, like, like, what are you, like, what are you, why are you trying to explain it like that? Like, why are you saying that? And the disciples, they're thinking this. They're like, these people, they didn't come to follow you, Jesus. They didn't come to this lake to hear you tell a story. They came here to hear how God was going to restart his redemption plan. They wanted to hear how this story was going to begin, how they were going to be redeemed, and how, like, what part are they going to take in this redemption They've heard of the old prophecies of God's anger towards the rebellious people and those people that would run away from him. And someone was coming in to usher this new day, and this is the man. On that day, he would rescue them from evil, like a farmer starting a new agriculture year. This is what they thought. This is what was happening. This man, Jesus, he's a prophet. He's doing remarkable things. He's talking like the ones that we've heard talk in Isaiah and Jeremiah. He's talking about planting seeds. This sounds like a prophet of the OT. And the story was just a little bit off, just a little bit cryptic to them. It was a little bit different. It wasn't what they were expecting, maybe a little bit baffled. But the big phrase that brings clarity is this. In verse 9, it says, He who has ears, let them hear. We've all said this phrase in many ways before. I feel like this is my number one phrase I'm saying to my kids. Do you hear what I'm saying? Did you hear, do you know what I just told you? Yes. You know, they don't know the glazed look, and they're looking at somebody else. Did you catch my drift, Malachi? Zion, do you hear what I'm saying? Like, Jude, are you focusing in on me? Do you have ears to hear? <clears throat> Can you remember a time when you heard a message over and over and over again? But finally, at some point, it just kind of clicked in. It just kind of sunk in, and you're like, oh, I finally understand like, you finally changed. Something, it was like, sometimes we think it's explained better, and like, finally we understand, but sometimes it's just, we heard the message over and over, and like, something just changed. For me, like, I grew up in a Christian home, hearing the Christian story so many times. I went to Hallelujah night instead of Halloween night. When I danced, like, I left room for Jesus. You ever hear that saying? And so, you're like, you're dancing with your significant other, and so she's at arm's length. I grew up, like, reading, you know, I I Kissed Dating Goodbye. I thought it was a good book, but, you know, I didn't kiss dating goodbye. Um, What would Jesus do? You remember the what Would Jesus do bracelets? I had those. I had two or three. I even was the cool kid who had it, like, interlaced in his shoe. I'm not sure if cool would be the word to use, but that's what we did See you at the pool is a big American thing where we would go and there would be the flag in front of our school. And so one morning we'd wake up and we'd all pray for our school and for our nation. I did all those things. But I always wavered. I grew up hearing the message. I knew what it was saying. But then there was some moment where it all changed. Where something changed and finally penetrated my heart and it left me changed. It left me where I am Today. In this sense, this parable of Jesus, they weren't like not just illustrations making difficult things clear to all. They presented God's way, God's message, so people could understand it who were, who were ready to understand, where their heart was ready. But those who were hardened, those who were not ready to hear it, it would just merely be a story. And it wouldn't be heaping condemnation upon them. Parables, they're an example of God's mercy towards the hardened, telling stories for those who are ready to hear so they can hear, but those who aren't ready, it doesn't harden them. He spoke in parables to protect those whose hearts were hardened. He didn't want to harden them anymore by driving them any further from him. He spoke in parables for those who are ready to hear so they would hear. I like this analogy. I heard it. The same sun that softens the wax hardens the clay. The difference in effect comes not from the difference in exposure to the sun. It's not that the sun's doing its thing, but the difference is the material it's shining upon. If it shines upon the wax, the wax is going to melt. For the clay, though, it's going to harden it. Right? It's not about just hearing the word. Like we all hear, it. we're hearing it right now. It's being explained. And you're hearing these, this parable, you're hearing the words that are being spoken. And the difference is, is where is it landing? Where's it landing on? What's it landing on right now? And you might be asking your question where is, where is it landing on? Where's my heart right now? Am I tired because I lost that hour of sleep? Am I too worried about what's happening in the world because of the coronavirus? And I'm already looking ahead towards that. I got all these things I have to do this week and I just i just need to get my, my Sunday fill and do what I need to do here so I can go about my week. And you know where your heart is at as you leave this place and as you walk out this quiz this quiz as you walk out this week by the conversations you have by the way you up, open up to individuals by the way you connect with the individuals. I could be up here speaking an awesome message of serving your neighbors or of hospitality or of opening up your homes, and it can be impactful and I can be 30 minutes of truth. But the way you truly know if you've heard it is the way you respond to it or the way of the state of your heart, the soil of your heart, the actions that take place after this. The actions that happen after this Sunday. It helps explain where is my heart? Where is it? Where is that right now? And so after the disciples chatted with Jesus, Jesus comes and he explains the parable. In Matthew 13, 18-23, it says, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away that was what was sown in, her, in their heart. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. The beauty of this parable is we can see it on multiple levels. The sower could refer to God. For at this time this time, this language is used of him in the Old Testament. Or the sower could refer to Jesus. For when Jesus explains the parable of the weeds, he says in 1337, he says this, the one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man. Or it could be that the sower represents any preacher, parent, or Sunday school teacher—that is, anyone and everyone who sows the word, who is who is sharing the word. Jesus, I think he's intentional in the way he explains this, so we can relate to it in multiple ways. The way we look at it today is Christ as the sower. Christ is the one who is sowing the seed and the soil being our hearts. There are four soils and obviously three are bad, one are good and we want to focus, on, we want to spend some time talking about the three bad ones but the parable, it does nothing if it doesn't talk about the last soil being the good soil. Right? We just have three soils that are bad I'm like, well, which heart am I? But the end is where we want to be. It's where we want to land and this is where I want us to think, encourage us as we move forward. Where are our hearts? Where are they at? Let's examine. And the beautiful thing about today is we're going to take communion. And the beautiful thing about communion causes us to examine ourselves before we partake. And so here are the paths. There's the hard heart. And this is what it looks like. And so we see this path. It's been beaten. It's been worn. So Jesus, he's sitting in the boat, and he's looking out, and he probably sees this path that the farmers would take to their fields. I can remember hiking the High Rim Trail, and we came to the spot where the bush was thick, but in the midst of this bush was this path, this small path of where people had walked on, that people had made, and that had, the soil had been packed down. And so things weren't growing there because of just life had happened. And sometimes we might feel like this. Life has happened. Life has happened. It's hard. Things have happened, and it's not great. I can't believe this about God because this certain thing has happened about me. And so our heart is hardened towards maybe an aspect of God because of what we've experienced. And our heart is sometimes like this path. You drop something on it, it's not going down. This is the person who's maybe interested in what the word says, but not totally. We leave here and maybe almost immediately, Satan, like a bird, he comes and he snatches away that thought. Maybe place doubt right away in your mind. Or maybe just distracts with something else, and not necessarily a bad thing, just something that takes your mind off what God says. Some of you might be like experiencing this day. You're sitting there thinking, "This is really interesting. I've never really thought about this before." But as we dismiss, you'll think about where you're going the rest of the day. We won't dwell on what's being said. We won't let it soak in to our hearts. Maybe sometimes we think, oh, it would be really good if somebody else heard this message. I got a person who needs to hear this today. Their heart is so hardened. But we're not looking at the implications for ourselves, And that's what we're called to do, right? When we get on an airplane, what is the thing that they tell you in the instructions? They say, put your mask on first before you go and help somebody else. What we need to do in our life, we need to put our mask on first and examine our hearts before we're examining somebody else's heart. The only reason the enemy can come swoop in is because the seed and swoop in and take the seed is because the heart is just hard. It's so hard, right? It's a perfect place for someone to come pick something up. There's nothing to dig through. Something can fall on and it's easy to come grab. Who do we see this? We see this in the Pharisees, right? The Pharisees, they're interested in Jesus' message at first. They thought, this is great. But then he challenged them a bit, challenged where they were coming from. Like the Sabbath. They're like, oh, you can't talk about the Sabbath. That's not cool. And it went against their rules. And so when he went against their rules, all of a sudden their hearts were hardened towards whatever he was going to bring. It didn't matter. It was, they were already hardened because of this rule or because of maybe a pain that he was hitting. And so, where is a heart? Is it a bit hard? Is it a bit hard for some things that are about Christ? The next heart he talks about is the one that is the shallow heart, the one that's on rocky ground. So, what's the matter with this rock, this ground? Sometimes we think of it, we think of like there's the soil and then just massive rocks on top of the soil. But what he's really talking about is in the soil, there's lots of rocks within it. And so a seed can get in there and find a little bit of soil, but it can't get any depth because the rocks are blocking the way. So someone who's not rooted. In him who does it. And so, when things happen like this, when you get like a little bit of seedling like that, that thing's just going to get scorched when a trial comes, when the sun is bearing down hot. And so, when the element gets hard, the wind can come and blow it over. The plant will dry out quick. Roots aren't deep enough. It won't get proper nutrition. There'll be disease that takes place within this plant. And this is the person who hears the word, is initially moved by it. Whatever decision that they make, it just doesn't feel like it's gonna last long. It have depth. There's difficulty in it. It withers away. And this is just isn't t- talking about the gospel. This is goes with hearing a message like today, and challenged by it by like midweek, maybe Tuesday or Monday. It's like, yeah, don't remember what what we was talking about on Sunday. I used to see this all the time at youth camp. Right, youth. They come. They experience Jesus and they experience this feeling. Some they don't doubt that feeling, but when they're just going off the feeling, when that feeling is gone, they kind of drift away a bit too. And what's amazing is this. In North America, we have the least persecution, but we have the most of what's called backsliding Christians. While all over the world, places like China, Sudan, Iran, people are meeting secretly, being beaten for their faith, and they're still keeping it. In the 20th century alone, there were more martyrs in their faith than the previous 19th centuries combined. Persecution is at an all-time high. And we face little, but it's too much, and it affects our status. But not only that, in these places across the world and I think this is a big thing is that being a Christian is met with miraculous power and signs of the Holy Spirit. Hand in hand for them. They don't understand a service without this. I was hearing Phil talk about this. They're like This is just hand in hand for them. This is how it works. And so this heart, the one that's on rocky ground, this shallow heart is always on the prowl. It's, it's a bit restless, searching, excited for Christ one week, not so excited the next week. It's kind of seasonal a bit. And when the season is on to believe the gospel, they believe it. They're all for it. But when the seasons change and tribulation comes, and maybe persecution comes, and while it's no longer warm and the glorious days seem like they're far past them, you know, their faith becomes a bit cold, frosty. Immediately, it's gone, it withers, it dies, then they come back again. This is the ter- like, terrible danger of a shallow heart. A heart that doesn't evaluate and go deeper, but it's always just on the surface. There's then the divided heart, and we see the thorns there, and we can see something growing in the back there, but it's, it's, it's swallowed up by the thorns and the thistle. What does this look like? What is the trouble? The big thing, it could be busyness. You know, it's not that we're uninterested in the gospel, it's we're interested. It's not that it's shallow, it isn't. Like we're very capable of this, this heart of thinking in depth, analysis of issue, issues, and even just like strong meditation with Christ, just soaking in him. But the fruitfulness of this life, we want the fruitfulness of the gospel, the divided heart, but it also wants everything else. It wants it all. It wants everything. The finer things of life, we want a little bit of the world, we want some of Jesus too. And truthfully, I believe this is the big part. This is the one that really plagues our North American culture today. Everything that the world can offer, everything that God can offer. But we see that God says we can never settle for that. He lays it out very clear. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What shall it profit a man if he should gain the world and lose his own soul? See, with these thorns, we might be able to produce. We might be able to grow. We might be able to see some growth. We might be able even just to produce just just a bit of fruit. But not the abundance. Not the abundance that God says if we're planted in good soil. Not the abundance that we would see if He said we're in the good soil. We're interested in what is being set up here. We're interested in the things of Christ. I mean, we've got to make money. Pay those bills. We do. Very true, we do. But that's what consumes us. At the end of the last century, historian Martin Marty called evangelicals the most worldly people in America. And that's harsh. It's a harsh, harsh thing that he, he stated. But this statistic is what he found. Each Sunday, evangelicals around America sing songs like I Surrender All, but 80% give on an average only between 2 and 3% of their income, and 20% don't give anything at all. So it's never this conscious decision to reject God or put him on the back seat. It's just like Christ gets, he gets crowded with, with all those good, those, those things in life, by all those other things that happen. He gets crowded out by them. I have reflected a lot this week about this. Where's my heart? Where am I at? I've been convicted by what Christ has said, but trying to battle the cares of the world in the midst of it. The heart will find obedience to God's word if we're in God's word, if we're with Him. If we're drawing close to him, if we're letting his spirit that's within us work on our hearts, we're focusing our family, our lives upon him. Try, it's hard to not get caught up in the cares of the world. It's so hard. This heart maybe thinks it's too inconvenient to get involved in ministry or to go on mission trips or to tell people about Jesus because I've got other things I've got to do. I've, there's other things I've got to do. I have other things in this world that I need to take care of. And then we land on what's the open heart, the good soil. This is where we'll close. When the word of God really takes root in you, it produces this miraculous fruit. One of my favorite sights to see while living in Saskatchewan was looking out my window and seeing the fields start to ripen, like the canola will turn yellow, the flax will turn blue. An amazing thing to see. You see the farmers out there sowing. They're working on the soil. They're taking out the rocks. They're removing the thistle. They're tilling the ground. And because of all that work, produces something beautiful, something miraculous, an abundance. Then you hear them talk about their yields. And it just draws me back to this scripture. You know you're producing miraculous food. It shows up in the way you treat people. Your generosity of spirit and how quickly you forgive, maybe your excitement for worship, maybe telling people about Jesus, there's this this beaming, this willingness to do what Christ has called you to do. And when it's so miraculous as this, is because it's so noticeable. It's noticeable. God's word is powerful. It was one of God's words that created the whole entire known universe. He spoke it into existence. And in one of the parables right after this, Jesus compares the word, the word of God, to a small acorn that produces a mighty oak tree. Growing up in Pittsburgh, there's this town called Oakmont. Called Oakmont because of all the oak trees. But there were times where you'd walk down the sidewalk and you'd be met by a massive oak tree because the acorns would fall just perfectly into this, this little spot of soil in between the sidewalk and it would grow this mighty oak tree. The cement was not keeping it down. If Jesus' word has taken root with you and if it's in your heart, no matter what you're facing, An oak tree will produce. Then having this good soil takes work. A quick glance of scripture, an occasional sitting in church or study group to be entertained by new ideas, that won't always work. It takes a lot of work to work the soil. And we I've seen you see farmers out there working. We it's not easy. I don't like gardening because of the work. Like you asked me, like you want to go out and work? I see my mom out there, I'm like, Mom, I will eat whatever you produce. And I will cheer you on super hard. But I'm not coming out there to till the ground with you. What needs to happen is rocks need to be removed. Thorns uprooting. The soil needs to be tilled. And so we have this sower. But we know we have a parable of this gardener. This wonderful gardener who will come and will help us work the ground. Work the ground of our hearts. I'm going to call Julie up in the worship team, and we're going to get ready for communion here. Fruit appears when the will is genuinely yielded to the lordship of Christ. When we're genuinely yielded to Christ, laying down our life for him, saying, I am here to be your follower. When the word is welcomed and nourished and acted on, it grows. It will grow within us. But we need to know here that our Lord, He's describing hearts, not lives. He's saying, have ears to hear, yes, but it's about our hearts. Everyone hears, but it's our hearts that matter the most. And He's not saying that once a man is like this certain type of soil, it's unchangeable, that the life is forever like this. He's saying that a heart may be like this today. The heart's change. Things happen in life. Hearts are altered by circumstances. Things happen. We can't say, I've had good soil for 35 years. There's been times in your life where you feel like it's been hard. Or you've maybe felt that, like the word's been drowned out by the things of life. Or maybe you just felt you didn't have that depth in your relationship with him. It's not saying you lost faith. It's just saying the space of your heart was just not in a receiving space. I'll go out on a limb And say, I bet you all four hearts are represented here today. That's not a slam. Because the beautiful thing about what we're gonna do today is we're gonna get to examine our hearts. Come to Christ, come to the gardener. Let him do work within our hearts. Jesus is asking, What is your heart like when you hear the word? What is it like when you hear the word of the kingdom? What is it like when maybe you hear the Holy Spirit? You're like, you know, I'm off to that. Or maybe when you hear evangelism, like, oh, no, my soul is not ready that yeah, There, maybe you worship. It's like I just don't feel like worshiping. This has happened in my life. Faith is hard. That's a hard word for me to understand right now. He calls us to take inventory. Today, we're gonna take communion. In a moment, I'm gonna ask Chris to come. I've placed a cross up in the back there for those who gather and take communion. I'm placing the cross right in the center here. what I want us to focus on. How this is going to look is, if you have taken communion with us, you know, myself, Chris, we stand here, you come walk down, you grab communion and you head back to your seat. As you walk down to take communion, I want you to, as you are waiting in line or as you're grabbing it, to look at the cross. Focus on the cross. Remember what it is, what has done for our, what has happened on the cross, to lay down our cross, to reflect on really Jesus. And as you grab the elements, I invite you to sit and Julie's gonna play this song. And this song, I really believe encapsulate, it's maybe just looking for us to just look at it a bit deeper. So as she plays this song and as we sit there and we reflect, we let Jesus minister to us, we're asking, what's the state of my heart, Jesus? What are maybe some of those hard spots in my heart? What are maybe some of those thorny spots in my heart? What are maybe some of those those shallow spots where I need to go a bit deeper? We're gonna let the gardener do his work. So I invite Chris to come on down if he's in here.